The Archipelago Chapter 1 Physical Forces The sublimity, the majesty, the terrific grandeur of this scene baffled description and set the powers of language at defiance. Benjamin Morrell on witnessing a volcanic eruption on Fernandina. Every story begins somewhere. Usually the beginning, the once upon a time, is lost in the obscure past, but we do know exactly when the Galapagos story began. It was during the high point of the age of dinosaurs, about ninety million years ago. One could haggle about the use of terms exactly and about to describe the same event, but it is a matter of perspective, and the largest part of the Galapagos experience is the gaining of perspective. The Galapagos archipelago had its beginning when a magma plume rose from deep in the Earth's mantle and began dribbling lava onto the ocean floor. It had already been dribbling for 25 million years by the time an asteroid crashed into the Earth just 1,500 miles north of it, incinerating enormous regions of the world and precipitating the disappearance of the dinosaurs. Soon the birds and mammals, with all their extravagant diversity, assumed the niches vacated by the dinosaurs and created more. The lava kept on dribbling, as it does today, building the landscape that supports the species that fired the imagination of Charles Darwin. Darwin's experience here was instrumental in focusing his research along the lines that became evolutionary theory. From our position in the present, we can now ask questions and develop answers that Darwin could only dream about, and he was an astute dreamer. Standing on his shoulders and those of many more, we have the wherewithal to appreciate the rich understanding that their discoveries made possible. The Earth's surface is formed of a large number of enormous crustal segments called tectonic plates. They are hundreds to thousands of miles across, but less than ten miles thick and they cover the planet like a much-cracked shell covers a hard-boiled egg. But unlike eggshell fragments that are locked in place, tectonic plates drift about, pushed by the movement of the viscous magma upon which they float. They cannot move freely because they are constrained by their neighbors, but they do move, slowly and powerfully, driven by immense and incessant forces well beyond our imagination. They jostle each other at faults, and in some places, zones of subduction, the thinner oceanic plates slip beneath the continental plates and are thrust deeply into the mantle. The Nazca Plate, upon which the Galapagos Islands ride, is one of these oceanic plates. It is moving east at about three inches per year, unusually fast for a tectonic plate. It is six miles thick, but its eastern edge is buckling under the weight of the South American plate, causing volcanic activity and earthquakes, perhaps hundreds of miles beneath the surface. The levels of energy released are far beyond our powers of comprehension. Even though we know something of the mechanics of this activity, its incredible power forces upon us a new appreciation of our fragility. In 1825, about ten years before the arrival of Charles Darwin, Captain Benjamin Morrell had anchored the HMS Tartar in Banks Bay, just ten miles north of Punta Espinosa. From that vantage point, he witnessed an eruption, and his eloquent words provide a rare glimpse into the fearsome forces at play. The flames shot upward from the peak of Narborough, Fernandina, to the height of at least two thousand feet in the air. A river of melted lava was now seen rushing down the side of the mountain, pursuing a serpentine course to the sea, a distance of about three miles from the blazing orifice of the volcano. 
This dazzling stream descended in a gully one-fourth of a mile in width, presenting the appearance of a tremendous torrent of melted iron running from the furnace. Although the mountain was steep and the gully capacious, the flaming river could not descend with sufficient rapidity to prevent its overflowing its banks in certain places and forming new rivers which branched out in almost every direction, each rushing downward as if eager to cool its temperature in the deep caverns of the neighboring ocean. The heat was so great that melted pitch was running from the vessel's seams and tar dropping from the rigging. The Tartars slid along through the almost boiling ocean at the rate of about seven miles an hour. On passing the currents of melted lava, I became apprehensive that I should lose some of my men, as the influence of the heat was so great that several of them were incapable of standing. At the time, the mercury in the thermometer was at 147 degrees, but on immersing it in the water, it instantly rose to 150 degrees. Had the wind deserted us there, the consequences must have been horrible.'